Welcome to the Coconuts Podcast. Today is October 15th, 2021. The Coconuts Podcast is your home for top trending news and pop culture from all across Southeast Asia and Hong Kong. I'm Andrew Nazari. And I'm Summer Lee. Hi, What's Andrew? with the pause? What? <laughs> it's Wait, okay. I forgive you. You were away last week. You probably you're probably a little bit rusty. You're not back in the swing of things. So Yeah, dude. Okay. And and now I've come with a British accent. So let me get used to it. I'll get Singaporean in a second. Thank you so much. I'm readjusting. I, I, have you readjusted? Can we can we start now? Okay, boleh, let's do it. I'm Singaporean now. <laughs> All right. So how was your week away from this um, lovely little podcast? Real sad because, like, the second I was gone, y'all started talking about Squid Game, you little shits. <laughs> oh, how I totally watched it after I got over the clearly grammatical, um, I wouldn't say error, but they could have done better with that title. Little shit. Why don't you just join Netflix then? Jeez. You with your little <laughs> grammar rules and shit. <laughs> no, but you know what I'm excited about? What? So uh, we in Jakarta, we're allowed to uh, go to the movies again. And guess what? Well, I'm going to break my um, cinema virginity once more, like since the pandemic began. It's definitely uh, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Thank you so much. I'm right. Oh, but no, no. <laughs> but I did watch that with my kid. That I'm new, sure. Uh, my, my Little Pony um, Next Generation on Netflix. That was pretty, oh, it was pretty fun. But yeah, anyway, uh, back to the uh, cinemas. Mm. Um, I'm going to go watch um, Dune Woo! by um, Denis Villeneuve. Have you heard of it? No, you, you know I haven't. Um, we were just fighting about this um, before this. Somebody told me you you are the exact opposite of what one would consider a movie nerd like me. Yeah, I'm like chill. I'm casual about it. Like when it's out, you know, okay, I'll watch it. Like we watched Shang-Chi when it was out, right? Because I'm Asian. I got to represent, you know, you know, I got to go in the opening week. Sure. But yeah, other than that, I'm like a late adopter. Like, I'll wait for the hype to die down. Then I'll go to the damn cinema because, like, prices are cheaper. There's less people, less people eating, less people talking. I don't want to look at any of you when I watch a damn movie. Thank you so much. Yeah, I guess this is, the, this is like, the best time for us uh, movie nerds to enjoy going to the cinemas. Because in Jakarta, you're not allowed to take your mask off uh, during the whole show. And for something like Dune... Which um, you know, for like a lot of Denis Villeneuve's uh, works, you really just want to sit there and take it all in, like mm. like the visuals and the story. He's just he's the best. He's like Christopher Nolan, but actually good. People uh, are gonna hate me for that. Yeah, I'm so. like, is this controversial? Are the pitchforks? <laughs> it's very down? look. Christopher Nolan can't write dialogue for shit. Like he can't execute. Like, have you seen Interstellar? Okay, that's yes, yes, I have that one. Yeah, I'm like, oh, love is gonna fucking <laughs> uh, save us. Like, fuck off. Like, we're it was all, he, he, did, he did so well with all this space and science stuff. Like, it was all so accurate. And then all of a sudden, here comes Anne Hathaway going on and on about love. Fuck you, you ruined it, <laughs> dude. <laughs> well, at the Denis time, love doesn't do that. So, oh, okay, okay, just checking. Uh, I trust your opinion, maybe. Um, I don't actually remember the plot of Interstellar anymore. Um, I should get my head checked at some point. But yeah, at the time when I watched it, I was like, shit, is this the best film of all time? So you're going to punch me in the face for that. Yeah, okay. I can hear that. It's not. I can hear you. No like, need to mutter under your breath. Uh, yeah. He should. Uh, <laughs> he, he's, he's okay. He, Christopher Nolan, 
I know he's got a lot of fans, but I know Inception was mind blowing. Oh, oh, oh. Um, but like, come on, there's so many holes. Okay, and, damn, Doctor Science, over here, Mister Movie Reviewer, uh, full time, twenty four seven, reviewing movies, pointing out plot holes. It's Andre Nasri. From a man painting artwork with his PP to alien worshippers in Bangkok, Coconuts TV brings you wacky and impactful documentaries from across the region. Don't miss out. Head down to our Coconuts TV YouTube channel to subscribe and enjoy. Okay, and our top stories for the week or off the week, rather. Sorry for that, Summer. You're um, okay. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go to Bali, Summer? I've done this before. I, I'm aware I've done this before to you, and I'm doing it again. <laughs> I do. I want to go and touch sand that is in what Singapore. What the shit? <laughs> because <laughs> Indonesia has finally confirmed 19 eligible countries as Bali reopens to foreign tourists. Singapore is excluded, by the way. Little shit. Hence my little thing there. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's pretty weird how, you know, this, the, a lot has been made about this reopening, mm-hmm. but they actually left it until the 11th hour, as in like the day, the night before to make an announcement of this magnitude, you know, standard Indonesian government. Mm-hmm. But we finally know which source countries are allowed entry into Bali as the island reopens. So Coordinating Minister for Maritime Affairs and Investment, Luhut Panjaitan, who has been overseeing COVID-19 handling in Indonesia, said that visitors from 19 countries would be granted entry to Bali and the Riau Islands, that's um, Batam for you Singaporeans, Hell yeah. in the country's current phase of international reopening. According to a statement issued by the ministry, the countries are as follows. So rejoice if you're from one of these 19 countries. Ready? Yes. I'm going to go very quickly. Ready? Do it. Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, New Zealand, Kuwait, Bahrain, Qatar, China, India, Japan, South Korea, Liechtenstein. Fuck, I butchered that. Sorry, Liechtensteinians. Italy, France, Portugal, Spain, Sweden, Poland, Hungary, and Norway. Killed it. So what do these countries have in common, theoretically? Um, I don't think um, the numbers actually check out. But the Indonesian government said that these countries made the list because of their low number of confirmed COVID-19 cases and positivity rate positivity rate is that an actual um yeah it's like um yeah uh out of like the number of people tested how many are positive i think the who recommendation is five percent before like if you go over five percent you got you better start losing your shit basically yeah so uh luhut said the list of 19 countries uh origin countries that could enter indonesia only applies specifically for direct flights to bali and Riau islands so the COVID 19 task force also issued issued an official regulation laying out specific requirements for international travelers such as a five-day mandatory quarantine period upon arrivals at their expense health insurance with coverage equivalent of at least 100,000 US dollars and proof of booking for accommodation during their time in Indonesia. So mm-hmm. bourgeois, the bourgeois only shop, mm-hmm. uh, and are invited to apply. And tourism players and officials have raised concerns about low demand in recent days, obviously, pointing to the sudden nature of their, re- of their reopening that has left many unprepared until the very last minute. Yeah. And I've actually been hearing from people in um, Bali that 
foreign tourists haven't really arrived yet. This was a uh, pretty last minute. What a huge ass announcement for. I mean, the way they've released this is kind of like a freaking Marvel trailer. It's like, no warning, here you go. Love that. <laughs> yeah. Over in Bangkok. Come Saturday, Bangkok can stay out until 11 p.m. That's right, these changes to the curfew were just approved by the task force. And yeah, all of you in Bangkok will have another hour to play. Um, and get yes. shit faced. Yeah, shit faced. And now Kratom is legal. Congrats. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, the task force considered a proposal to shave an hour off both ends of the overnight curfew in the worst hit provinces, including Bangkok, that ran from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. So now it's 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. based on math. And of course, this will be up for consideration again at the end of the month. When the prime minister said that, you know, the country would be open to vaccinated tourists. Mm. Let's go. Um, I I still don't know about traveling, my dude. Um, but Kratom is legal. But again, <laughs> there's a goddamn pandemic, Andra. Wait, so um, uh, Noral couldn't give me a description of uh, what a Kratom high is like. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, don't feel pressured to answer. <laughs> but could you? <clears throat> no, Andra, I cannot give you that description either because drugs are bad and illegal in Singapore. Thank you so much. That's a very thoughtful and diplomatic answer. Sorry. I did take time to think about it. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> shall, we, shall we move on? Yes, we should. All right, so we're moving on to this uh, really pretty fucked up story. Um, so a man who murdered a taxi driver was a psych patient who once threatened mass shooting. So the man suspected of murdering a taxi driver in Taiwan this week is a former psychiatry facility patient who once threatened to carry out a mass shooting, according to reports. News outlet Channel C, founded by former Apple Daily journalists, reported um, that the mixed-race man, who's identified as Matthew Choi, came to the attention of authorities in, uh, in 2019 after they were alerted to comments he made online. In them, he reportedly expressed desire to imitate the kinds of mass shootings that have made headlines in the U.S. So police searched the then 29-year-old's home where they uncovered two cleavers with the words, My Elf Weapon, engraved on them. The same phrase was found on the shotgun of a former U.S. Navy sailor who killed 12 people in a 2013 shooting. Man, like, of all the people to get inspired by, huh? Mm-hmm. So Choi was arrested on a possession of offensive weapons charge, but the case was dropped after his uncle said he suffers from schizophrenia. He also stayed at the Siu Lam Psychiatric Center for some time, but was released after, after authorities determined that he, did, he does not have a mental illness. So what's going on here? Choi is believed to be behind the gruesome murder in Taiwan of a 48-year-old taxi driver. Uh, this week when he got on the vehicle as a passenger. The driver was knifed in the neck and collapsed shortly after he fled the taxi for help. In a, a recent press conference, a police uh, spokesperson described the suspect as, quote, very violent. A government press release uh, warned that the man is believed to be an extremely dangerous person with suspected violent tendencies. The taxi driver who lived in Tinshui Wai with his family leaves behind his wife and three children. He was the family's breadwinner, local media reported. Yeah, so this is really sad. Um, 
you want to read the full story about how internet detectives dug up uh, Choi's history of you know, surfing all these really, really depressing and hateful pages online, which may have inspired him to commit commit the murder. Yeah, go on ahead to Coconut Hong Kong. Oof. Oh my god, that's so sad though. Yeah. Um, yeah, we move on to Jakarta, where there have been mounting calls in Indonesia to ban the new Superman comic featuring a bisexual character. So, uh, oh, this shit again. Oh, God damn it. But yes, it has just been announced that Superman's son is bisexual. And while the rest of us are here for more representation, various organizations and political parties in Indonesia have called for the comic to be banned. Fuck, dude. Then don't just read something else. Go and watch My Little Pony with Andra. Who cares? <laughs> and then they'll be complaining about how they're not clothed. Oh, God damn. You ride horses should have overalls or some shit. Just because it looks yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> so in case you missed it, DC Comics just announced that John Kent, the son of Clark Kent and Lois Lane in Superman Law, will come out as bisexual in the fifth issue of Superman, Son of Kal-El series. As if following his father's footsteps, uh, the Earth's new Superman becomes romantically involved with a reporter named Jay Nakamura during uh, following their friendship. So this is written by Tom Taylor and illustrated by John Timms. And the issue is slated for release in early November. Good on you, John Kent. Do the damn thing, John Kent. Mm. Okay, so in a statement which Tom Taylor put out on um, National Coming Out Day in America, he said Superman's symbol has always stood for hope, for truth, and for justice. Today, that symbol represents something more, and today more people can see themselves in the most powerful superhero in comics. So Period! It's Absolutely. Bars. It's not a mess. <laughs> yeah. So the news has been mostly welcomed by the global online community, all of you with brains, nice one, and comic books fans alike. But that's not the case when it comes to the Indonesian Ulema Council, also known as the NUI, the Commission for the Protection of Indonesian Children, also known as KPAI, as well as the staunchly conservative Islamic Party National Development Party, also known as uh, PPP. PPP. All of whom. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. Of course, all of whom have zero creative input for the comics, but probably thought that they could have a say in the comics distribution in Indonesia. No, they don't. Party poopers. Anyway, the KPAI has urged relevant government institutions to censor the Superman comic before wider distribution in Indonesia so it could fit the Indonesian context, while also noting that the commission will continue monitoring content from the popular comic book series. Um, I don't know, like... Does anybody want me to send you a comic from Singapore? Because, like, yeah, if they ban it, let me know. Just hit me up. I'll send you a comic. Oh, thank you. Welcome. No problem. Anyone else? Let me know. I'll take you up on that offer, actually. Yeah, can do. Absolutely. Happy to do what I can. (laughs) But, yeah, sucks. Um, I don't know. Can you actually control what's in comics? Like, if you were to censor them, what would you do? Like, scrap this whole frame where, you know, John Kent is very cutely kissing his little boyfriend. I don't know. I feel like that's pretty central to the story pretty essential like you can't expect people to fill in the gaps uh if you censor that like if you tear out the page right you can't expect people to fill in that gap with a non-gay storyline or a non-bisexual like what 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 are they expecting people do exactly it's like all right i grew up 
in the Middle East, right? <clears throat> mm. And say, and then uh, we had um, like some of the uh, popular, um, I wouldn't say men's magazines, but like sports magazines imported from the West. Mm-hmm. And what they would do is they would like at each of every page where a woman was like, say, was wearing a bikini, they would censor out her whole body like with with a black marker. Are you serious? And they do this without fail in like every single issue. And like, it looks like it, it was done manually. But why Why are you doing that? Like, we know what is underneath that. <laughs> I'm just what thinking is the about... point of going through all this manual labor of, yeah, dude. of censoring that? I'm like, uh, what's the kind of job description on that? You know, you guys would have to ask for people to do this, right? Come and censor some private parts, y'all, um, for hmm. $5 per hour. Thank you so much. Please apply. <laughs> Probably lower than five dollars an hour. Right. See Just how it works there. Yeah. Yeah, and it's making me think about um, Attack on Titan. You know those uh, that anime. Yeah. So like giant yeah. titans and then in malaysia they kind of put pants on the guy which is like so fucking funny i love it i am going to find this damn pants version and watch it <laughs> i'll read it it's beautiful oh like in the actual thing in the original thing the dude's like yeah doesn't even have a dong does he it's just like they don't it's smooth like a candle yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> candle. exactly yeah literally like in in the story they basically don't digest the people um, they kind of like spit out the regurgitated humans that they eat through their mouths. Mm. So there's no need mm. for the downstairs bit. Um, but yeah, the Malaysia, uh, Malaysia has gone and put pants on them, which is like, how do they even decide? Because some people have jorts and I'm like, that's that's a choice. <laughs> right. So basically these things lead sexless lives. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're just here to just eat like, humans and just vibe just out. Like you the, know? Just like the people who uh, come up with these, with these idea, this idea of censoring two men kissing. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe the cahoots, you know, they share tips on a Facebook group. I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, over in KL, kids, Legoland Malaysia Woo! has reopened its theme park. Yay! Yay! So Malaysia's Legoland Resort in Johor is reopening its theme park to the public months after it was closed due to the movement control order. Guests who wish to enter Legoland must be fully vaccinated if they are above 18, 18 years old. Those below 18 will need to be accompanied by a fully vaccinated guardian. Or, you know, they can just stay home. Like, let us adults enjoy Legoland for, mm-hmm. for a change, you know? Have you been? Yes, of course I've been. I actually have a fun story about it. Let you read the rest of the article. Okay, okay. So, COVID-19 safety rules such as the use of face masks at all times, temperature checks, temperature checks, and safe distancing will be enforced, blah, 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 all part for the course. Besides its kid-friendly theme park featuring roller coasters, carousels, and twisters, visitors will also get a chance to check out its latest attraction, Planet Legoland, a space that allows guests to build their very own creations out of Lego bricks. That's like the obvious thing in a Legoland. Mm-hmm. And, and they've just installed it. Oh, my God. Anyway, you can probably tell I haven't been. Anyway, Legoland's Hotel and Aquarium have already already resumed daily operations while its water park will reopen to the public from October 27th. Tell us your story. Okay, Legoland Malaysia. Beautiful for kids, mostly for kids. Um, I, I went there once when I was, like, I think, 18 or 20. I don't remember anymore. My brain is just mushy peas at this point. 
Step but yeah. Oh, girl, it's not legal oh. here. Me, I just <laughs> eat mashed potatoes and mind my business. Thank you so much. All um, right, <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're like so a whole bunch of uh, rides for kids, right? And then there's this one mm -hmm. that's real fun. Um, you get to drive little cars and basically you have to be a maximum of age 15 or 16, I guess. Or No, I think mm -hmm. it was even 12. But a bitch got in. That's the whole thing. I look Holy young shit. enough. Found a really? fountain of youth. Yeah, I did. I I said I went in there with my little baby cousin, who I think was like eight at the time. So yeah, what I'm saying is a bitch young. Yeah, that's all. Thank was you so your much. are you like the height of your eight year old cousin? You little bitch. Um, now, <laughs> now I'm 25. She's 15. We are at the same height, which is unfortunate. I keep telling her to stop growing. She's not listening. She's so irritating. Um, I love her. But yeah, at the time I was way taller than her. What the hell, Andra? <laughs> <laughs> but like you, you got in for for a. 12 year olds ride absolutely yeah so um it was actually the most fun ride in the park so highly recommend if you look very young you get to drive little cars dude so cute oh thank you that's all okay <laughs> you're so fun okay over in manila over 100 people were rescued by the philippine coast guard from floods due to marring over 100 residents from the Ilocos region were rescued after massive flooding ravaged their hometowns due to Typhoon Maring. The Philippine Coast Guard evacuated people from their homes in the provinces of La Union, Ilocos Norte, and Ilocos Sur as part of their rescue operations as Maring continued to devastate various parts of Luzon. Calls for online donations poured on social media to help affected residents and, oof, some of the photos that have come out of this. Um, mm. There's like a whole bunch of fighters, sorry, not fighters, um, but rescuers um, in their Heroes. life vests. Absolutely. Uh, mm. Yeah, they're just carrying babies, children, adults. There's even one um, with a little pig swimming in the flood waters. And these rescuers are kind of just, you know, making sure the pig gets to safety. And holy shit, I hope things get better. Yeah. And then like with all, like things like this, um, you always worry that when they put in, when when they're put up in like temporary shelters, yeah, uh, you hope that they don't contract COVID uh, oh, yeah. at the same time, you know, because it's hard enough as it is. Absolutely. Like, this is just not fun to deal with on top of a freaking pandemic. Ugh. Hopefully this all goes, um, hopefully they all get through this. Yeah, man. Cool. Okay. In Singapore, y'all are still talking about vaccine magnetism. Yep. As... Um, because a telegram channel in Singapore has attracted such claims. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a wild world out there on telegram. Around 100 people are sharing claims that people are becoming magnetic due to COVID-19 vaccines. The channel SG, the magnetic group chat, was noticed by others outside of the encrypted messaging platform, inviting trolls to come on board with jokes referencing the Magneto villain of the <laughs> X-Men comic series. Since July, the group has shared at least 30 so-called cases of individuals claiming to be able to stick metal objects onto their bodies, either after taking the COVID-19 uh, vaccine or by being around vaccinated individuals. How does that work? <laughs> anyway, um, while they also discussed ways to detoxify themselves of materials they incorrectly believe are in the vaccines. I mean, girl, like... If you have Magneto's powers, why would you complain? Yeah, why would you, you tell have, people like, even? Yeah, if you have like keys stuck onto your, onto your forehead, if you can get that stuck onto your forehead, just channel your power to be able to fucking like throw the keys at people. Like, exactly. 
Yeah, yeah. or like stick like your key to your forehead and never lose it. Come on, people, let's think about this. Yeah, God. <laughs> stupid as a stupid does. Mm-hmm. Anyway, metal sticks to sweaty skin and the bizarre theory there is a link to vaccination continues to circulate despite being thoroughly debunked. The channel was ridiculed on the internet over the weekend and has since been closed to the public. <laughs> Good. So the channel administrator said, welcome all our new subscribers. We had to re- remove many trolls due to their complete disrespect for emerging science and evidence. Our group discussion will remain closed until we purge all the trolls. In the meantime, please read all our previous posts to understand why people are magnetic and feel free to try it out on your own fellow vaccinated friends or family under the right conditions, a.k.a. slightly sweaty. (laughs) So um, one of his latest cases showed an elderly Singaporean woman being able to stick a metal ruler onto her left arm after taking her vaccine booster shot last month. Other messages showed a man being able to stick a metal key to the left side of his forehead. And another showed an unvaccinated woman living with vaccinated family members stick a coin on her forehead and a metal spoon on her right arm. Oh, God, I can't even (laughs) with these people. And again, people have been slapping metal spoons and coins onto their sweaty flesh long before (laughs) COVID-19. Some were also comparing field meter readings of their bodies, implying that there were stronger magnetic fields around vaccinated individuals. Yeah, so... I guess that's that. They'll continue I love to it. live in their in their own world. I love it. Um, these this is just one out of many anti-vax Telegram groups. I've joined a few because I just have to look at what people are doing. Mm. Um, especially this one called SG COVID Lakopi, uh, which has is the biggest group and has like thirteen thousand members. And yeah, it's just fun to see their point of view. There's a lot of you know. What's that one about? Oh, um, it's just every single conspiracy theory ever. There's a lot oh, of right-wing yeah. media. Mm-hmm. Mm. But yeah, you know, we should tell these people that um, COVID-19 vaccines turn you into sex magnets. And then who knows, maybe um, maybe they'll get their jabs. Yeah, maybe. not worry about it. Yeah, Absolutely. It's just really fun to watch. This spoon shit, why are you complaining, sister? When you go out to eat, you have utensils at the ready. Come on, man. Exactly. Like, I got to put it on my nose for it for, to stick. <laughs> they don't even have to think about that. Yeah, dude. And we go over to Yangon, where let's go to the movies. Because the junta wants to reopen Myanmar cinemas. <gasps> Andra, Good they heard them. you. Yeah, they heard that you were watching Dune and they want to join in. They want to get in on it. Mm-hmm. They want to watch see probably Jason the best Mo. movie of this year. Okay, I'll take your word for it. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so cinemas have been closed since COVID-19 hit Myanmar in early 2020. And they may soon reopen in compliance with the law, according to the junta's new top spokesperson. Beset by armed resistance and desperate to restore a sense of normalcy, the junta's newly appointed communications minister, Mao Meng On, said productions were gearing up again in line with health measures and conversations underway to allow screenings. Um, okay, I guess cinemas are a priority. They're a step towards normalcy, is what this guy said. Okay. Yes. Sure. So uh, hell yeah. Priorities, am I right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, he said that the government hopes artists will soon be able to enjoy seeing their work in theatres, though he gave no date for theatres to reopen. So it's coming, but we don't know when. So under the ousted government of Aung San Suu Kyi, the Burmese 
film industry saw a dramatic surge in both quality and quantity before it felt the double punch of COVID-19. And of course, the elephant in the room, the coup. Remember that happened? Yeah. yeah. It won't help things that some of the nation's top filmmakers, artists and performers who oppose the coup have actually been imprisoned or are on the run as fugitives. Oh, yeah. But yes, Money Has Four Legs, which is a popular film that showed up at top festivals, including, uh, including Busan, New York and Locarno. We'll get an encore showing in November at the Hawaii Film Festival. Its co-producer and co-writer, uh, Ma Ain't, was arrested and jailed by the junta on uh, the 5th of June at her Yangon home. So the reason for her imprisonment remains unknown four months later, and she was reportedly tortured to the point of breaking her toes, Jax. according to media reports. Yep. At a military interrogation camp in Shui Pita, her release has been demanded by more than 20 international film organizations. Um, so yeah, um, it feels weird to kind of talk about, yay, we're going to return to normalcy by opening cinemas, but I don't know, that's my, just my little opinion. But cinemas aren't the only place that the military wants to see people return. Senior General So Win, Junta Vice Chairman, uh, indicated that work is underway to reopen schools following the Tanding Yud holidays in October. And he said that students 12 and up would be vaccinated against COVID-19. I don't know, like, some would say you should prioritize opening schools uh, over cinemas. But at the same time, I don't believe we have like an adequate protection for children yet mm-hmm. to reopen schools. Um, yeah. Whereas at cinemas, like if you're fully vaccinated, you should be okay. And you, you know, and like the, the capacity as well. Exactly. Hi. I don't know. Are we kind of using kids? guinea pigs not not that i said that but you know oh that's like the that's the very reason why i decided to homeschool my kid for like at least two years good call good call buddy i don't want the government be telling my kid to be exactly that like a guinea pig you know mm-hmm. so summer it's mm-hmm. the third friday of the month you know what yes, that yes. means no i don't tell me it's fresh tunes friday where wow what do we do on Fresh Tunes Friday? We don't play any tunes per se, but we talk to um, <laughs> wonderful singer-songwriters from around the region. Um, yeah, yes, about their tunes. Absolutely. So we get to talk to Brian Estepa this week. And oh, oh what a lovely chap. Yeah. yeah. Our guest for this week is Brian Estepa. He is a singer-songwriter from Sydney. Hi, Brian. Welcome to the show. Hello, Summer. Hello, Andra. Thanks for having me. Um, I don't get to talk to uh, Singapore press too much. So this is nice. Oh. <laughs> so I, we hear that um, it's about, is it about to pour down with rain in Sydney at the moment? Well, th- it was a crazy storm that just uh, sort of came in and flew by and it was thunder and it was a bit of hail and I was just a bit worried it was going to sound a bit chaotic, like I was in some sort of a uh, you know, crazy uh, cyclone-infested place <laughs> for the podcast. Oh but it's it's cool now. Like, it's it stopped. So, um, yeah, four seasons in one day, I guess. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we do have an international audience. To those yes. that don't know about your you and your music, could you introduce yourself? Well, yes. Yeah, so I'm Brian Estepa. I'm a uh, Sydney-based singer-songwriter. 
And I guess I've been part of the the Australian independence scene for over 20 years now, plugging away as you do. And uh, to, you know, I wouldn't say huge success, but uh, I'm still here. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that's what and I am. He's, and he's humble too, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's so, just the um, truth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, give, us a, give us a rundown of your, of your career so far, like uh, how many albums have you released and EPs sure. and whatnot. Well, I might start by saying that career is probably you know, a bit far fetched to use for my <laughs> for for my life. Uh, but yeah, I guess I guess I'm a semi professional musician, you can say. I've uh, I've been playing around the Sydney scene since the late '90s, and I've released, um, including my solo albums, probably close to ten albums and EPs since 1998, I guess. Um, and yeah, so yeah, just playing and touring, and I've had the great opportunity of. Having a few a, tour, a few tours through Europe, played through uh, did a show, a couple of shows in Japan last year before the pandemic really kicked in. Uh, mm. Been to the Philippines, my motherland, and uh, the States. Yeah, so this uh, half career has kind of taken me to places I never expected to play music to people who probably didn't expect to see me as well. But uh, it's been a good marriage so far. So. No. Yeah. And yes, speaking of the Philippines, so you grew up in Australia, but do you think of yeah. someone, do you think of yourself as someone who has strong Filipino roots? And oh, absolutely. how has that, oh, love that. Uh, but yeah, how has that shaped your personal life and your music? Well, it's because I came to Australia when I was um, nine years old. Oh. So I feel, I feel a very strong, my, my roots are definitely Filipino. Um, mm mm-hmm. You know, I've you know, I, I love the country. I, you know, I've got family there. I love the food. Um, I love the music. So, I've, and in the language, I'm, I'm still speaking Tagalog, even if it's broken and with an Australian accent. But um, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like it's it's. Uh, I feel like it's given me that perspective of life as an you know as an immigrant coming to a you know a quite well off country and. And but I identify myself as very much Australian as well because this country has given me and my family opportunities that I otherwise would not have had. I think if I was still living in the Philippines. So yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm proud. Like I'm, I'm a proud Binoy. Um, I'm a proud Aussie. I, I feel like um, yeah, it's a big part of my identity. This cross culture that I exist in and love. Um. So Brian, obviously there aren't many um Filipino-born singer-songwriters in Australia. Um, no, has, has, has there been any challenges that you faced like early on in your musical journey or even now as a racial minority, so to speak? You know, you know what? Well, I grew up where I grew up in Sydney. It's, it's, it's quite it's very multicultural. You know, there's Filipinos, there's people from Arabic nations, there's you know, Europeans. So from living there, I've never really experienced that. And, and I'd say, I don't think I've experienced it too in the musical music industry. I kind of feel like, we all feel like we're all this minority as well. These, you know, are struggling musicians. So we're all in it together. We're all in the trenches and we're playing the same pubs. No one really, you know, gives a shit what I, you know, look like, you know, as, as long as, you know, at the end of the day, if you're playing good music and your, your songs are great and you're performing well, I think all that sort of frivolity of, you know, your origin kind of goes out the window because we share the common language of, Oh, this is so cliche. We so share the common language of rock and roll. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it's beautiful. So yeah, yes. Yeah, so I don't. I don't think I've ever experienced that. And I actually wrote a, a piece not too long ago for a major publication here. They are asking me about my cultural identity and where it fits into my musical life. And I can honestly say I've never really experienced anything racial that's mm-hmm. really overt. Really overt, anyway. I don't know. So yeah. yeah, yeah. 
There's not there's yeah. not a lot of places where you 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 are able to say that though. Like Australia uh, mm. does give you that kind of environment. Yeah, well, I'm I'm definitely a, min- a minority in terms of you know there's not many singer songwriters or band leaders that are Asian here, but in saying that though, I think the the next generation of the, the, the Asian Australians here, especially, they're very brave and they're very creative. You know, they identified themselves pretty much, you know, as Australians, and their their roots are you know, and social media has made it easier for them to connect with their roots as well. So um, I don't know. I just I think maybe you're right. Maybe Australia is a great place to be a minority and be an artist because you know there's no real race to me well it, from my perspective anyway mm-hmm. mm, that's good to hear um as well you have had quite the musical journey um you were the frontman of an indie pop band by the name of swivel and yeah could you tell us how you came from that to now being a solo artist well uh, a swivel i think it's a very important part of my its development as a musician it was my first really serious band where i was I really thought this was my way to just educate myself and get better as a road musician, as a as a songwriter, as a singer, as a guitar player. So, yeah, I thought it was very important. I mean, I don't, I don't think, you know, I think the songs, you know, they, they had their hits and misses. <laughs> but um, I, I had a great time. I was with two uh, two brothers that were very supportive, and they were great bandmates. And I, don't know, I guess that was the platform, and it kind of just led into, you know. I guess being a solo artist, you know, kind of all just happened, you know, nice. you, you kind of don't, you don't, you don't really have a roadmap or, you know, so you just want to keep playing and opportunities, I guess, open up and you kind of just take it. That's yeah. nice. So it sounds very natural. Would you say? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there were some, yeah, there were some pivotal moments. So um, I, I worked in the States for close to a year and I traveled and, you know, in the year 2000 and I, while I was over there, I discovered a lot of artists that, that were quite influential to my musical style now, especially in the alt country scene and, uh, you know, a lot of really great singer-songwriters and a lot of great blues and jazz artists. So, um, yeah, and then when I came home, it's like I started writing more songs and, you know, without really thinking too much about it, you know, it, I became a solo project. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um. You probably touched on this when you mentioned um, all the places you, that you toured. Um, mm. But how would you describe your fa- uh, fan base um, origin-wise, country of origin-wise? Do you have yeah, um, Australia or do you have a, lot you know what? Of a big Filipino fan base? No, I don't, I don't think I have a big Filipino fan base, actually. I, my, my fan base is mostly in Europe and in America. Just from, mm. from what I can see in... Um, you know, from digital plays and purchases and interaction online with people. And like I've, I've toured Spain four times now, for example. So I know I definitely have an audience there. So, um, you know, Australia is, because uh, my music's not fashionable. It's not, and when I say fashionable, it's not reflective of what's the current style because I really couldn't give a, you know, what about what's happening around me. I mean, I, I, I know I just do what I do. So I'm not going to play things to suit a certain market or a certain place and, I'm just lucky that pockets of people around the world have kind of said, "Hey, that's okay. I'm, I'll give you twenty dollars for that CD, nice. and awesome. I will, I will glad, I will gladly take it, and hopefully entertain you when I go there." No. Oh. <laughs> so, of course, you've just dropped the Back to the Middle EP. Could you tell us what was the inspiration behind this EP? Uh, it kind of started. We were locked down in Sydney. Our first lockdown, and like many artists, you're 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 only you can only be. Uh, sort of hibernating for a short period of time before you really need to start creating 
So I guess Back to the Middle was born out of this niggling itch to start making music again with people and, you know, not just at home by yourself. Um, so, yeah, and I, I, I happened to, I was able to spend some time with Josh Pike, who's a pretty renowned and popular artist here in, in Australia. And once that opened up, I guess it all kind of ballooned from there. Mm. So, yeah, so, yeah, no, no grand inspiration. It's just more like just an artist's need to make music, you know, so. Oh, in that case, was um, it all recorded um, online? No, no, no. I was, we were still able to play together. But obviously the pandemic meant that we had, there were times when, you know, we had to obviously follow some, you know, social distancing and which meant that if the drummer was doing a take, I'd be outside <laughs> or there'll be like two or three. It was really bizarre because I'm so used to us recording as this little community group inside the recording studio. But, you know, we're, we're, we're conscious of each other's safety and, you know, making sure that we come, you know, we're able to keep each other safe. And uh, yeah, so it was a weird, it was a different way to record, but you know, we still, when it all kind of eased a bit, we were able to still do the traditional way of recording with guitar, bass and drums together and me singing in a live room and, you know, so it just still gave it that soul, I guess, mm. that feeling so separated from each other. Mm-hmm. But um, that soul you spoke of, like the theme, of the musical theme of this album, of this EP, is it, mm. is it founded on pandemic angst or anything like that? <laughs> well, it stemmed from that, but in terms of, mm inspiration i think you know I, I like to i like the listener to kind of like get their own you know take on each on whatever i write because i don't really analyze my songs too much but i guess I, there was i was talking a lot about acceptance and letting go about um yeah that was kind of like a theme i noticed after afterwards about there's mm-hmm. always that silver lining even though things could be tough mm. there's always some sort of silver lining out there and it's it's whether you choose to take it or not or choose to see uh, greener pastures. So I guess that's some of the themes that I, or some people have mentioned to me anyway, and some some that I've noticed when I was, you know, consciously writing lyrics and thinking about those kind of themes. Yeah, thank God it's not one of those um, artists' rendition of John Lennon's Imagine. If, if you... <laughs> oh no, I think I think I, I think the celebrity crew have done a, a splendid job in. Uh, anyway, but um. Yeah, but I also wanted. I also wanted. If you listen to the record, there's there's a real there's an upbeatness to it. You know, my last mm. record was quite down in some points. You know, it was quite melancholy. It was quite too introspective sometimes. And I think this one was, you know, is founded on, you know, on a bit of happiness, a bit of upbeatness. You know, like we can't just mope around for the rest of our lives because of this pandemic or whatever other things is going on in our lives. You know, we still got to try and move forward somehow. Okay, in that case. Quick fire round to get a vague sure. representation off back to the middle. Are you ready? For anyone who hasn't heard it, but we do <coughs> urge you to, listen, to look, uh, give it a go. Yep. So was this a quick, a quick fire round? Okay, I'm not sure. All right, okay, let's yes. go. So All I'm right. going to give you two artists and then you can tell us which one, which artist this album maybe leans towards yeah. a little. Yeah, just get a little flavor of this EP. Sure. Okay, let's go. Okay, first one, Bob Dylan versus Nick Drake. Well, Dylan. I love Drake, but Dylan. Uh, there's a Dylan cover in my EP, so uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Dylan. <laughs> That's a given. Okay. Andra, take us through the next one. It gets harder. Jose Gonzalez or Ben mm. Howard? Jose Gonzalez. Absolutely. Yeah. I've seen him live. He's amazing, sir. Nice. Heartbeats. Okay. Oh, my God. Heartbeats. Oh, absolutely. Oh, it made okay. that into a TV commercial, but... um, <laughs> It did, didn't it? Full of bubbles. Yeah. I remember seeing bubbles yeah. everywhere. So. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful song. Go on, Summer. 
Okay, Phoebe Bridges or Mitski? You know what? I'm going to go Phoebe Bridges because I'm not familiar with Mitski and, and I think she's great. Yeah, so. That's fair, that's fair. Mm-hmm. I probably agree with you there. All right, next one. <laughs> Kings of Convenience or Iron and Wine? Oh, that's, wow. Kings of Convenience versus Sam. That's a tough one. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Kings of Convenience only because I'm a fan of um you know close close harmonies in the Everly Brothers and Simon and Garfunkel style. So and Kings of Convenience do that brilliantly. So Kings of Convenience wins this round, I think. Yeah. So we totally forgot to put Simon and Garfunkel in this list. Uh, far bad. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you got close enough Kings of Convenience. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get it right next time. Okay, next one. Sufian Stevens versus Bright Eyes. Oh man. It's a good one. Um, you know what? I'm I'm gonna go Bright Eyes only because I've been uh, I, I revisited some old Connor albums not too long ago, and um, I was listening to this is the best best day of my life. I think it was called. Yeah, first day of my mm-hmm. life. First day of my life. Sorry, and uh, that's 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 a that's a beautiful song. Even though it is, even though it, it's yeah. kind of borrowed from a Dylan song, but it's still a, a beautiful a beautiful song. So Connor, it is Bright Eyes. All right, let's go um to the states for this one. John Mayer mm-hmm. or Dave Matthews. Oh, Mayer, absolutely. He's, oh. you know, p- p- people love to hate on Mayer, but I don't because I think he's a, um, you know, he could come out, come out as a bit douchey, but he's a phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal guitar player. And, and I'm uh, being a guitar player myself, I, 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 and he's in my age group as well, and I find that inspirational. So, yeah, so, um, I'll probably have mates who will probably crucify me for liking and loving Mayer, but... No. Well, it is what it is. It is what it is. I've always, I love John, so. I've always wanted to ask like a proper guitarist this, but is yeah. it an exaggeration for if people say like John Mayer is indeed one of the top guitarists in the world? No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it, it's it's weird because there's no there's no real there's no real guitar heroes. If I'm gonna ask you a question now, name me on top of your head, besides Mayer, three other guitarists that you know. Um um Santana. Um 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 Metallica good. guy, um, damn it. Um, radiohead guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's good. What's his name again? Um, um, Johnny Johnny Greenwood. Yeah, Frusciante. Frusciante. Well, yeah, actually, well, well you, for you, it's actually, it's probably like a redundant question for you guys because you're obviously music lovers. But uh, what I'm trying, the point I'm trying to make is that if you ask most regular Joes and gals, um, they'll probably won't be able to name too many guitar heroes like in the olden days. So, and Mayer, I'm guarantee you, John Mayer slash and maybe. Um, and maybe a Santana would be the ones being named. So um, I think, yeah, I just think John Mayer is a very, you know, he doesn't invent the new any new wheels, but he's a phenomenal guitar player and he's very tasty. And um, yeah, I'm a fan. So you can, yeah, we can have there this. Uh, There's our answer. Disagreement. Yeah, there we go. Mm-hmm. Love it. This is a safe space. We all love John Mayer here. Everyone oh, good, it. good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No worries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Next one. This one might be a bit... Mm, might okay. take a little bit of thinking, but Alicia Keys versus Beyonce. Ooh. <laughs> yep. That's a good one. You know what? Um, in, if, if we're going to break it down into a singer, Alicia mm. Keys by a country mile. Okay. Uh, she's a great, you know, soul singer in nice. my books. And Beyonce, in terms of just the, you know, the, the whole pop package, you can't go, mm. you can't go past Beyonce. So I'm going to call this a draw. I'm going to call this a tie or a dead Ooh. in the middle. I can go either way. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna choose. I like both. So, Very um, wise. Um, there might be angry listeners out there. Very wise. Just kidding. Well, come you on, Beyonce. One, you would have been one summer if you, if um, Brian didn't go with Beyonce. <laughs> no. Well, uh, I mean, my pitchfork is out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, this is I prefer, I prefer, actually, I prefer Destiny's Child actually. Over oh, okay. Some, 
I'm a, I'm, <laughs> I'm a Destiny's Child. I'm a 90, I'm a 90s, you know. I'm a, hmm. What were they? Are they early 2000s? Destiny's Child or late 90s? Yeah, uh, anyway. kind of late 90s. Uh, same, I think same. Uh, I thought Destiny's Child was great, you know. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, indeed, yeah. All right. The yeah. two, I would, not classical, but two giants from the bygone era, the Beatles sure. and the Rolling Stones. Oh, just Rolling Stones, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, everything starts and ends with the Beatles for me. So, oh, I, I'm gonna. Yeah, the, the Beatles are the reason I'm a musician, and the reason you know everything. You know, my world. A lot of my musical world revolves around the Beatles. So, uh, absolutely, the Beatles. But you know, I love the Stones, and that's kind of, you know, it's like uh, you know, it's like um, telling yeah. me, ask me here. Yeah, yeah, Beatles, Beatles, Beatles. Yeah. All right. Okay. Beatles. Okay. Then I'm not going for the next one. Nice yeah. Let's go to Down Under uh, for, for the next one somewhere. Okay. Okay. Gautier or Chad Faker? Uh, I'm going to go Gautier. Okay. Um, Gautier's, uh, the person who mastered Gautier's big record was actually the same one who mastered one of my old albums. So um, yeah. I'm going to claim the connection there. But Gautier's, uh, you know. And uh, you know what I love about Gautier? He, I like how he just left the music industry. He got all mm, his success. Yeah. And he goes, you know what? I, no one had nothing else to prove. You know, um, it's not about the money. And he just left. No, nothing against Chet Fake. I think Chet Fake is great too. But um, he just said, you know what? I, can't, I don't need to deal with this. I've got other things in life. Even though I was the most successful artist for a certain period, I'm just going to mm-hmm. go. I he respect the that. world's ultimate earworm. And oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, he did. And he made, you know, Kimber a star as well, you know. Um, yeah. She's amazing. But it, well, the thing is, people, a lot of people, I don't know if people realize, but Godot was in this band called The Basics, which is this great sort of, I wouldn't say soul, but they had this, you know, funk lit tendencies, you know, that in a very great band, three piece band, you know, that guys like Corey Wong and the, the likes are kind of just doing it now. And yeah, a lot of respect for Godier. So yeah, he wins the Australian round. Love that. Love right, that. The Australian just, round isn't over. But oh, isn't it? <laughs> this, is, okay. this is our last one. This is our last sure. one for this quick okay. fire round. Um, Tame Impala, obviously. Yeah. Or yep. temp, Temper Trap. <sighs> yeah. Tame Impala is the flavor of the month, isn't it? You know what? I'm going to go Temper Trap. You know why? Because I'm talking to an Asian, you know, <laughs> uh, an, a, an Asian media. And Temper Trap was, you know, was fronted or still fronted by, you know, an Indonesian Australian. I don't know if people know that. And he's got a, a beautiful voice. I mean, I, I don't, uh, I, that, that first album was, that was brilliant. I don't think I heard the second album. If there was a second album, I'm not really sure. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go just for uh, for the Asian connection. <laughs> with yeah, just, to, just to throw it out there, I, sh- I actually yeah. went to uni in Australia when that album dropped. It was just. Oh, did you? What, yeah, which university? Was never, I went Melbourne. to the Gold Coast. Oh, the Gold Coast. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, Temper Trap with a f- flavor of the month for a long time there. So yeah. Yeah, you know exactly where I'm coming from. So, <laughs> cool. Yeah, so that takes us out of the um, quick fire round. So, I guess my next question is to you, Brian. Do you often yeah. venture out of, um, you know, what we would consider to be your genre of indie pop, you know, mm. for your list for your listening pleasure? And like, what Absolute- what kind of stuff do you listen to? Absolutely, I I can't. Like my, my music's rooted on like you know the classic pop and indie pop, but I listen. Well, today I was listening to Boys to Men. Ooh. And Joe to see. I'm, I'm, I look, I'm Filipino. I'm a 90s kid. So, you know, the new Jack Swing and that kind of hip hop was big for me. And I was, you know, I love metal. During lockdown, I've been going through a bit of a jazz phase as well. Yeah, I can't. I, I listen to everything. To me, end of the day, if it's good, if it's good, it's like you said, a good earworm. It's got a good hook. I'm in. 
I mean, I don't give a shit mm. what style it is, you know. Um, if it's good, it's good. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I kind of get bored listening to the same things all the time. So um, mm. I, yeah, I, I, tend to, I, like, I tend to venture to roads and I probably shouldn't venture in too much, but uh, I'm there. Nice. So, yeah. Okay, I guess back to the EP for a second. Musically, are the songs in your EP shaped by your many influences, um, the way your back catalogue of songs are, or will they feature, um, or do they feature a more personal sound, would you say? Well, every record I make is personal because it's always mm. an honest representation of where I, I'm at that point in my life. I kind of look at all my albums and I can picture, I don't really remember recording bits, but I remember times in my life during that certain album. So it's kind of people write diaries, keep diaries. I, I, I'm, I, I write songs and I make albums. So that's kind mm-hmm. of my, so that's personal, I guess. And influences, you can't really escape them. You know, I'm not, mm-hmm. even though I might, I might love metal or I might love hard rock, but it's not necessarily going to show on my music because um, my music is firmly rooted on pop melodies, you know, in the Beach Boys and the Beatles and Wilco and Elliot Smith. That's kind of people. So that influence is always, I think, going to, well, maybe more so inspiration will always come out in whatever I write and whatever I release. And I think that's kind of showed, it kind of showed, and it reads its head in Back to the Middle, like all my other records. Hmm. Nice. Um, speaking of Back to the Middle again, um, if yeah. you could recommend a, a song for for people to get into the EP, uh, what, yeah. would you, what would be your favorite song off 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 of it? Off that one, um, well, I think um, there's a song there called "Trick of the Light," and mm-hmm. I think um, that's kind of for me anyway. I feel like that's like a watershed for me in terms of production and songwriting. Um, yeah, that's the one. I don't really listen back to my songs too much, but back I remember. Well, "Trick of the Light" I can listen to all the time because I'm just so proud of it. <laughs> uh, I, I love what Josh did. You know, um, you know, it's it's weird because you know Australia has this. You know, oh yeah, you know, we're not going to talk about our stuff from before. You know, we're trying to be all humble, and we are. We generally are, but you know, I'm proud of that song, and I think it's great. Um, Josh Pike did a great job. You know, the guys that played on it, and yeah, so I'll I recommend that. And back to the middle, the 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 single, the, the single, right. the the main the main track, because I think it's a good track if you like guitar pop and you want something good to listen to while you're driving and add to your summer playlist if mm-hmm. you have one yeah so those two tracks i think it's a dead 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 even race for me back to the middle and trick of the light so okay in. listeners get to it um yes please, recommendations? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay absolutely. i guess our time is almost up sadly sure. but yes we will leave you with what is next for you sir and when can we expect a, uh, a new album? Or how about a tour? <laughs> well, uh, okay, next for me, I'm hoping once everything is a bit more open here in Sydney, I'm hoping to start getting together with my band and start working up a few more songs. Um, I'm hoping to release another EP mm. uh, some sort of mid-next year. I just got to – it's just weird because we're under, we're under the mercy of this pandemic. Something – another variant can bloody come and next thing you know mm-hmm. we're locked down again. So – uh, ideally, I'd like to record another EP and maybe play another couple more shows. I've, I've had a few tours cancelled. So, yeah, just maybe st- get together with the band and hopefully play a few more shows here in Sydney. And my ultimate plan is to um, uh, Clem Castro, who's my record guy and fellow artist at Lily Stars Records. We've been planning, talking about touring Asia, like a proper mm-hmm. just, you know, duo. So it, and I've got friends in Singapore and you know, Japan and a couple other places. And we'd love to do a, you know, a tour, just us, our backpacks and our guitars. So, and that's going to happen. 
So that's really? one of my big things. Yeah, oh, it will. It's going to happen for sure. Uh, it's just a matter of when it's safe enough for us to go traveling around again. Uh, that's one of my things to go back on tour because, you know, playing in front of people and just playing live is one of my favorite things to do. So, yes. And we'll, we'll definitely be there if you ever find yourself in our neck oh, of the I'd, woods. I'd love to. Please find me a show. Find me a show in Singapore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be there. For sure. It sounds exciting. We hope all of those goes, uh, go as planned. We hope no rainstorms with giant tarantulas come and you know put those plans in a tizzy. <laughs> but yes, this has been so fun. Thank you, Brian, for coming on. I appreciate you guys. Thank you, Andre. Thank you so much. It's been a, it's been a fun chat. Thank you. Thank you, Thank Thank you so you, Brian. Much. Stay safe. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. So, uh, Summer, from that interview, yeah. um, I know you went to Australia for university as well. Mm-hmm. I take it you appreciated that that conversation because you got to talk to somebody with an Australian accent. Absolutely, old chap. Wait, shit, was that British? God damn it, I'll try again. <laughs> Just yeah. kidding. But yeah, it was kind of refreshing. It's the same way I haven't heard the word chook unless I said it to myself, you know, in the past few years. Very sad. <laughs> what I does that it. mean? For it means chicken. Non- yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. All you non-Australians have got you. Yeah, you just get a McChook from Macca's. <laughs> Fair dinkum. Yeah. I've, I've forgotten what that means. Anyway. Right, but yeah, that was, a, that was Brian Estepa. Uh, great chat. He's clearly a music nerd, and I love that about him. Yeah, dude. Um, yeah, do check out his, his new EP, Back to the Middle, and um, all, all his back catalog of music. And uh, I guess that's it for this week. Yay! Bye! Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support Coconuts and our weird and wondrous stories, you can become a Coco Plus member at coconuts.co slash membership, make a patron payment at coconuts.co slash patron, or buy a fresh merch at the Coconut Shop at shop.coconuts.co. Need something to go on your head? How about your wall? We've just dropped some limited edition exclusive merch for our 10th anniversary. Check them out at shop.coconuts.co. Subscribe to the podcast and leave reviews. Tell us how you feel and what you like and don't like. We're excited to hear from you. The Coconuts Podcast delivers impactful, weird, and wondrous reporting by a journalist on the ground in eight cities. Singapore, Bangkok, Hong Kong, Manila, Jakarta, Kuala Lumpur, Yangon, and Bali. Listen to headline news and insightful interviews on matters large and small designed for people located in or curious about Southeast Asia and Hong Kong. The Coconuts Podcast is a Coconuts Media production. Our hosts are Summer Lee and Andre Nasri. Our executive producer is Byron Perry. Our production manager is Clarissa Cortez. And our editor is Paul Medina. Paul Medina.